This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. We're making a practice this year of talking to well-known country trainers on the podcast, and in recent weeks our special guests have included Sue Grills and Barbara Joseph. Today we go to Taree on the New South Wales mid-north coast to introduce Ross Stitt, who has plied his trade with great distinction for 45 years. Ross has no idea of his winner tally, but he believes it's getting up around the 2000 mark. He does know that he's won nine Mid-North Coast Trainers Premierships and a huge number of Northern Rivers Cups and Cup races in places as far afield as Toowoomba and Launceston. On a couple of occasions, he's had horses good enough to race at the elite level but has unselfishly given them to city trainers to take them to group success. Ross did turn 78 last week, but he enjoys good health and he is just as passionate about horse training as he was four decades ago. It's a very big welcome to the uncrowned King of Taree, Ross Stitt. Thanks for joining us, Ross. Pleasure, John. Well, mate, you were born and reared in the beautiful Manning Valley. You were one of nine kids, six boys, three girls. Your elder brother has passed on, but all surviving siblings still live in the Taree area. Correct, John. You see plenty of them? Yeah, very much oh, to the point that's probably not enough, but anyway, yeah. no, no, we all keep in contact. And do they follow the training career of uh, Brother Russ? Uh, the half of them, half of them, now they take a mild interest, but no, there's four, yeah. there's the four brothers took an interest in the horses and the two younger boys have a mad motorbike riders. So yeah, of course. <laughs> it was a, no rhyme I, or reason. No, no, exactly, exactly, yeah. Now, Ross, dairy farming provided a livelihood for the Stitt family in those early days when you were growing up. Yes, it did. It did. We dairy farmed and had milk runs. It goes back to the time we used to milk and then go and deliver it in the morning, John. I started out when I was a nine-year-old, I think, delivering milk and then going to school afterwards. Your first equine interest was show jumping. You got pretty exactly. keen on it for a while and your riding was obviously pretty good, Ross. It's probably the best sport I've ever been involved in, John, but I couldn't see a future in it. I loved it and had more success, but uh, no, we uh, just uh, weren't going to go too much further, so I took up other interests. I started uh, taking interest in the, I always took an interest in the breeding of of the gallopers, and uh, from when I was just leaving school, I remember the first horse I ever. I ever uh, took an interest in was Dark Jewel because I had a uh, uh, mare that I used to jump and her name was Jewel and mm. uh, it started from there. Well, Dark Jewel, of course, uh, went on to great fame as a thoroughbred broodmare, but as a race mare, Ross, she was, uh, you'd have to say, mediocre. She may have won three races. I remember the late Stan Cassidy winning a two-year-old Phillies race on Dark Jewel at Canterbury one day 
and George Moore won a midweek race on her uh, at Warwick Farm, and he lost a stirrupine during the running of the race, but he still got her home. Home, yes, yes. She was uh, a lot of trained her. Yes. But as a brood mare, she rewrote the record books. She certainly did. Well, very few of your friends and clients would realise that you could have been lost to the harness racing game. You went away from home for a while to Lismore and then later to Southport and you learned about trotting horses from a bloke called Ned Coleman. You tell me he was a great horseman. He certainly was. Yeah, he certainly was, John. No, I did, I did learn a hell of a lot about the, the horse uh, standard bred then and he was mildly interested in the gallopers. But uh, no, I, uh, I learned to drive. I drove... Well, Ned and his partner went away for a week and they had Sabrina in work and I was left to, to work them and oh, we got through them all right. No, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the time. Yeah. Did you get to drive at the trials? I got to within driving at the trials. I used to drive on the Southport track at, at uh, Southport, the old Southport track. Mm. And uh, I uh, it was cut short. I had to come home for family reasons and... When I come home, I still kept my eye in. There was a chap from Wingham, a fellow called Reg Walton. He had a couple of mediocre ones, and mm. he used to bring the Atari showground, and I would drive them together, and I did that for quite a while with him. But no, I quite enjoyed that. You were 24 years old when you decided to buy your very first Galloper. You went to an English mixed sale... And you paid 150 guineas for a tried horse called Bull Pirate, whose previous owner, Ross, was a very high-profile bookmaker called Ken Ranger. That's right. Exactly right. Ken Ranger dabbled in horse ownership for many years, and he had a few handy ones. Yes, he was a maiden when I bought him, John. Uh, He had a couple of... Oh, I suppose he had half a dozen runs and he didn't show up a hell of a lot, but I just liked the look of the horse and just on instinct I bought him. We went down to buy another particular horse, made too much money. There wasn't much money about those days. but uh, mm. No, we had uh, had some luck with him. Uh, he was he was very good to me. Well, he taught me. Like yeah. he, you didn't yeah. train him at first though, Ross. You you took a while to gain your trainer's licence. I think you gave him to a bloke called Bernie Blanche. That's right. Yeah, Bernie won the first three three or four with him and uh, I decided to get a licence and uh, yeah, we went from there. It was very slow to start with. It was a very much a learning curve. But, uh, oh, no, we, we picked up. We always used to take notice of what, the other trainers did and always listened, always had the ear to the ground of listen to any suggestions. And mm. no, we just because uh, I had no uh, no prior, I never worked for another apart from Ned, I never worked for anyone associated with thoroughbreds at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, you were still dairy farming, Ross, when you started off training gallopers. You'd milk the cows in the pitch dark and then you'd take Bull Pirate to the track. Yes, I started off and I did, I built up to about four or five when I was still dairying and 
Now, it was a full-on then with daring and, and, and training the horses. I used to ride them all work myself. And uh, it just, just gradually grew from there. The passion got stronger and yeah. the, the will to win, I suppose, made it uh, even more passionate. Gold Optic was one of your very early ones. Uh, he'd been trained previously at Randwick by John Page. That's right. Yeah, got to be pretty friendly with John uh, because of Neil Campton and mm. and uh, Neil was a winging boy and uh, that's how that uh, came about. And uh, no, I'd seen John a few times over the the latter years and he always comes up and over the yard oh, and, and congratulates me on the, the horses I've had through my hands and no, he must have kept some sort of interest. So, yeah, no, it was a good association and with John. John's still going strong too, Ross. He yes. lives on the Gold Coast and I don't know what age John Page is but he's got to be well in his 80s. Oh, for sure. You had a couple of horses by Seacraft who stood locally uh, your Seacraft horses both won some races. Then you got hold of a Sydney horse called Royal Kirk, and if you had to pick one that launched your career, he was the one. Yes, for sure. He uh, he won a couple of cup races for us, and and uh, yeah, a ready-made horse. I just had to to uh, work out, and uh, no, he was he was a godsend to me, really. He, and another little horse that I put credit to was a little horse called Future Star. Mm-hmm. He won the main race here at the opening meeting of the uh, track at Taree. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he really helped me along the way. You came across a terrific horse in the early 1980s called Critic's Pride. You had him as a two-year-old. You won 19 races with him. He then underwent a knee operation and then won another 10 for crying out loud. Uh, you won 29 races. Ross, those old bush horses are freaks that race on and on and on. And John, it didn't matter what weight he had. He could just carry any sort of weight. He could he got one up to uh, 1,800 uh, from 1,000 to 1,800, oh, he was so versatile and mm. he was just a real, real tough horse he was. You found two more old marvels back then. Our Ambition, who was by John's Hope, he won 23 races and his half-brother, Gilded Blue, won 25 races. Now, Ross, get your head around that. You've got two half-brothers who win 48 races between them. Yes, they were, they were much the same. They were, oh, He was more of a, a sprinting horse, uh, gilded blue. Mm. But uh, he, he won numerous cup races and... Uh, in those days, I, I, John, I'll go tell a story. I had a bit of a punt when mm. I got uh, our ambition. He just worked so brilliantly, and I had a thousand dollars on him one day and a maiden, <laughs> and he got rolled. Uh, and that's sort of I never backed the horse again in his twenty-three wins. That, never backed no. the horse. Again. He just. 
I just worked out I was working too hard and I just backed off him a bit and, well, I suppose it got me a thousand back. Mm. I'm sure you did. (laughs) I'm sure you did eventually. In the early 1990s, a man called Ron Shaw came into your life. He was a retired accountant who came to live at Ulbar near Taree and he just loved racing. He wanted to buy some tried horses and he wanted Ross Stitt to train them. Yes, it was. A, we were at Tari races one day, and this gentleman he came up to me and he said, uh, introduced himself, I've been watching you. He said, oh. I want to buy a couple of horses for you. And it just went on from there. We had a great association. Uh, a mare called Rumbledown was the first mare he got, and uh, another horse called Mighty Digger. We bought, bought them both off John Morrissey in Canberra. Mm. And. Uh, he did all the dealings, uh, Ron, and just gave me the horses, and we did have some luck with them, and we did have a bit of tragedy with uh, Mighty Digger. He uh, he wanted Ballina for us, and the next start was uh, Casino Cup mm-hmm. in August, and he dead heated with a horse called General Parker. Yeah. And on the way home that night, it was a foggy night, and... Uh, a chap called Michael Wells was driving his own truck and it was an old F-250 and a semi-trailer from uh, Victoria. Mm. Half an hour from home we were and run up the back of him and killed him stone dead, mighty digger. And he had another, one of his own horses on a horse called Northern Noon. Mm. Anyway... uh, he survived, and <laughs> fate has it that they ended up giving me the horse Northern Noon after Michael gave the, the mm. game away, and I ended up winning the race with him. So, you know, it was, uh, that was a story of uh, a trip home from Casino. We were. Yeah, you saw this happen. On, you saw it, didn't yeah, you? We, yeah, we've come on the scene very, very shortly after that happened. Yeah. Yes. In the 1990s, you got onto what I like to call your Sir Dapper kick. <laughs> <laughs> You'd been a great fan of Sir Dapper's, and you set about buying a few of his yearlings because they were in your price range back then. That's Dapper exactly Spirit right. wasn't a bad one. Four thousand five hundred dollars at the English Scone sale. He wins ten races. Yes, he was a. He was a. Uh, a was my second winner in town, actually. Corey rode him. Mm. And uh, it was a long time between drinks. I had one horse called Stop a Punch one in 83, and it was, he was the next Metropolitan winner. So it was a, a pretty long drought, but uh, uh, he, won, uh, he won there and uh, he won uh, again at Rose Hill, and then he won the. Uh, Jim Bell at what's on at, uh, at on the inside track at, at uh, Ramwick Kenzie with Robert did, yeah. on him and Robert lost the line at the start. He rode, he won on him in one foot in the iron. Mm-hmm. It was a rainy day. I'll never forget it. Mm. Robert Thompson is probably the jockey with whom you've had more success than any other and he is an absolute marvel. He rode a double at Scone last Friday just to keep his eye in. 
Yeah, well, he's on three of mine tomorrow, John, so I hope his eyes fill in with him. <laughs> but, it uh, will be. It's been a, it's been a great association. Uh, uh, even when he was out injured for that long period, he still kept in close interest in the horses and he travelled for a couple of meetings. He travelled to Toowoomba. He just wasn't ready to come back to riding at that stage. He travelled to Toowoomba with us when uh, Precise Dolphin won the Toowoomba Cup. Mm. And uh, I gave him his first winner back after after the injury. He won on a uh, a mayor of the lateral Frenches at uh, Tamworth, a mm. mayor called Blinken Flighty, mm. and that was his first winner back after the he's sustained the period with injury. Yeah, yes, that and was then, probably the worst fall of his career. That happened at Warwick Farm. And I think it happened after the winning post. He was pulling up. Yeah. It was quite freaky. Yes. Shattered an ankle. The ankle, that's exactly right, yeah. yeah. Now, a couple more Sir Dappers, Ross, we mustn't forget. Just Dapper. You only won 13 with him. Chili Dapper. You only won 18 with him. Mm, <laughs> you, wants- you can keep him up. <laughs> He won six and ten, and he was only a little slip of a thing. Oh, but uh, uh, what's the name? Cameron Swan by Chris Lees' foreman. He, that was his favourite horse at the time. He won a. Yeah. He won numerous races on him, Cameron. Yeah. Uh, he won six midweekers in town. Uh, That's Chili Dapper we're talking about. Yes. Yep. Yes, the Iceman. He won a race on him at a uh, midweeker at Rose Hill. And uh, Grant Cooksley, Grant Cooksley won on him at Rose Hill. Yeah, Jimmy Byrne won a workers' handicap on him at at, at uh, Lismore, and he said he's won me. Like <laughs> he was just a little orphan. He's just such a trier. Oh yeah, he did great. What about Shoemaker Ross? Forty-seven starts, thirteen wins, eight seconds, ten thirds. Could he win a Country Cup, Shoemaker? Yes, he was. He, he won a Tari Cup and uh, ridden by Brent Stanley, actually. Mm. And he was owned by the late Don Hopkins, who would end up being chairman of the club and country representative for Racing New South Wales. And mm. my brother, Max, they owned him in partnership, and uh, that was a great ride with Shoemaker, a lovely horse. Mm. He was out spelling and he shattered his paston the week before he was to come back into work. Like He still had... Plenty of races in front of him, but that, that's what happened with Shoemaker. And you've got to learn to handle it. Oh, exactly. You've got to move on, yes. Now, Ross, your country cup record, three Tyree Cups, three Port Macquarie Cups, three Lismore Cups, three Dubbo Cups. <laughs> but I'll tell you, it took you a long time to win a Kempsey Cup, 35 <laughs> years to be exact. Yes, it alerted me, John. I ran plenty of seconds. I ran plenty of no seconds in it, and no, I just couldn't win the, the Kempsey Cup. But when I did, you won by four or five lengths, I think. Mm. Single spirit. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Estajab, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino, and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. 
the Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medagliadoro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 Inglis Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. Now Ross, many people speculate about the best horse you've ever trained. If I were to try and nominate one, I think I'd go for precise timing. You bought him for $2,500 at an English mix sale. He won his maiden at Wyong in 2003. That was the first of 18 wins. 21 placings thrown in. Almost $1 million. Hard to win a million dollars in the bush back then. You've never had a horse that tried harder than he did. Exactly right, Johnny. I think he finished in the first five on uh, round about thirty occasions. Mm. He just he was uh, just an absolute trier. He won races in three states of Australia, mm. and uh, no, he was <laughs> he got beaten in. We used to have a country cash series those days, and Robert, I sent him down to Putty Davies, and he took him to Gunnedah for me, mm. and uh, Robert rode him, and just ended up too short for him. We were in fourth. Anyway, they come back in that ring that night. Is this horse for sale? I said, no, no money would buy him. Mm. Anyway, that was his next start when he won a while, and that was the start of his, his winning spree. Yep. Ross, I'm intrigued by his win in the 2006 Launceston Cup. How would a trainer from Taree turn up in Launceston? Well, it's all about money, I suppose, the racing game. And that was the first year of Betfair. And I uh, always looking for, for races with a bit of money. And Betfair was advertising that that year the Launceston, uh, Hobart Cup was 400000 and the Launceston Cup was worth 300000 mm. And I had a bit of travel in me at the time and, well, we we decided to go, and before he we went, uh, Timmy Clark won a 
a race on him at Rose Hill, and uh, oh, well, we've got extras, and we'll, we'll go. We left Tari at midnight on, it was getting towards the end of uh, January, mm. and I'll follow called Bill Rowling's went with you, who's no longer with us, and we got to uh, Goulburn. We stayed with Kenny Culligan. We stayed there overnight. Then we went down to Sharon Peters. She had a place at uh, Seymour. Mm-hmm. And we stayed there. I got him work there for a couple of days. And we uh, got on the ferry at oh, the 6 o'clock on the fourth night. I think we were away from home. And we were at, at uh, Michael Trinder Stables at 7 o'clock the next morning. He'd landed at, at Devonport and we'd made a short trip to... Uh, to the stables and he settled in marvellously well. I had another horse, a maiden horse I took with me just for company and I never intended to bring him home. And, uh, David Bryer, Bright Oak had, had arranged mm-hmm. all the, the stabling for me. I had sent a jumper down to uh, David years before and anyway, I knew he knew uh, Adam Trinder so I mm-hmm. just rang and, and he set it all up for me. I was over indebted to him and we were down there for that full month, and he started in the Hobart Cup. He got a bit lost in the Hobart Cup, and uh, Michael Trinder said to me, he might have got beaten today, boy, but he said he'll win the Launceston Cup, and mm. uh, it, it'll come to fruition. And the maiden horse won on the same day. It's probably the best day of the races I've ever had. <laughs> and Robert Thompson flew down yep. to ride them? Yep, he rode the, the two of them, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it was a great day. Of course, we had a band with us of, of, of people, of oh, 10 people, and oh, we had a wonderful time. They they travelled the island while, while I was working all the time, but no, it all ended up uh, the night afterwards. We uh, had a fairly good celebration. It was a great night. Mm. All thanks to precise timing. That's exactly right, yes. Now, Ross, how the hell did you ever buy a filly like Heavenly Glow for $10,000? Yeah, we were at the Gold Coast and I'd Simon Thompson, he, he prepared uh, for the owner and I had a little bit to do with Simon and that was probably the only reason I looked at her and uh, I couldn't find too much wrong with her. Anyway, I ended up buying her for for uh, 10,000 and she won, I won five with her before we sent her down to the Denims and I started with the day, she, she was a very unlucky third and, and before the race, I didn't go down but Jack was still alive then and he went round to the boys, he said, oh gee, it's come down at the wrong time of the year, uh, pretty tough, he said this time of the year. After the race, she hadn't cooled down and Jack was round with the head collar and lead. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more a case of Jack uh, helping himself uh, to Heavenly Glow than, than you asking him to train her. Yeah, and he's always, he was always indebted to me. He said, gee, I'm thanks what you did for Alan. You know, yeah. you know I've got to, got to know... Got to know, he, he said to me one day, uh, Alan, he said, 
you must be a saint. He said, my old man reckons you're a good bloke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but she raced in uh, Alan's name as trainer right through. Yes. She, she won yes. two Group 1s, Rosh. She won the Arrowfield at Rose Hill. She won the Australian Oaks at Randwick. And she won a Group 3 Doomben Roses as Roses. well. That's, that's right. Was yeah. there even just a little twinge of regret when she won Group 1 races that uh, she was no longer trained by Ross Stitt? Uh, I didn't go down when she won the Arrowfield, but I was there when she won the Oaks, and I don't think it could have been any better than mm. if I'd have trained her. No, it was, a, it was uh, great to be associated with one as one of Group 1, whether I trained it or not, but no, I was yeah. I was just over the moon. What happened to her, Ross? She only had 17 starts. She won nine of them. Yes, yeah, she was. She spelled, and we came back, and we worked with youthful Jack here at the race, been in between races one day, and Robert Rader, and uh, youthful Jack worked better than her. Mm. And he come back, and he was wasn't overly impressed. He said, uh, "I don't know." He said, "The three-year-old." Went enormous, he said. That was youthful Jack. Mm. Anyway, uh, they she went to Sydney. They trialled her, and I think Dewey might have ridden her in her trial. And uh, mm. uh, she pulled up a bit scratchy and got a knee done and inoperable. And mm. that was it. Sold to the sold to the Padanac, and that was the end of Beverly Glow. She did nothing as a broodmare. She produced a couple of winners, but nothing. Uh, nothing as good note. as herself. Still, she left her mark as a racehorse with two Group 1 wins. You can't take that away from her. Now, you no, mentioned that for sure. Youthful Jack Ross, uh, one of the best horses you ever put a bridle on. He won 18, 13 placings, 1.15 million. He was unfashionably bred. I don't think that's being... Uh, I don't think that's being too harsh. He was by youthful legs, for crying out loud. Yes, exactly. Yes, I, mean, I don't think, I don't think his mother lived longer. I, I don't think they ever bred for her again. No, mm. she was, she wasn't fashionably bred either. No, his mother. No, but, uh, no. I won the first. He won four straight as a two-year-old. I took him to Brisbane. He ran third, and I left him up there with uh, Rex Lepp, yep. and he had great success with him. And uh, when he spelled, I sent him back. I sent him down to Allen, and no, he was uh, he was just a freak of a horse, I suppose you should say. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, he won a Group Two Royal Sovereign. Uh, you got him back. Uh, you won one at Wyong with him, and then yep. the old Tasmanian connection surfaced again. You sent him <laughs> down to Adam Trinder for three races on the Apple Isle. Listed races, I might add. He won them all, didn't he? He did. He won the three of them, John. Yes. And to this day, Adam Trinder credits his career to Youthful Jack. He said he, he made him. Did he? Yes. No, they still, unselfishly, he says that Youthful Jack was the reason where he is today. He's, he's, mm -hmm. he's not the leader of the premierships down there is a second in. Yeah, he's never uh, far uh, away, is he? No, he's not. He's not. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, Ross, I think that filly he's got currently might be nudging youthful Jack as his all-time favourite, Mystic Journey. She's pretty good. Yeah, she won a Thomas Lyons, as he did. Mm. I congratulated him the other day. I said, brings back memories. Mm. Well, you pulled off a great training feat with youthful Jack. You went into the 2013 Ramoni Handicap absolutely mad fresh and he came from last to score an amazing win. That must have been one of your most satisfying wins ever and boy, wasn't he fresh. Yes, he was, John. No, it was. It was a great, well, you know, not too far up the road and that's a major sprint race. You've always had eyes on winning it and no, I did get a, I did get a great kick out of that. He never won again, Ross, after the Ramoni handicap, and his last run was in the 2014 Coffs Harbour Cup. Uh, so the youthful Jack story came to an end, but left you with some indelible memories. Now, we've talked about Robert Thompson, but gee, you've had some good young riders through your operation. Terry Gallagher, Peter Birchall, Shane Arnold, Terry Trishel rode a lot of winners for you. All great riders. Yes, yes, and now, well, you've got to use as good a rider as possible when you've when they're at their top, and if you can get them, when well, you've got a bit of a head start, and uh, I've had a good association with them. That Robert, he he stands out. He's just a great judge and a good bloke, and yep. now we've had a great friendship. Like, like he's been been riding for me for. Over 30 years, he said. That's why he said, I'm so old, but anyway. <laughs> mm. uh, well, he, he ticks every box, Robert Thompson. He's an ornament to the game. No doubt about that. No doubt. Now, one final question, Ross. Your name has appeared in race books and form guides for 45 years as M.R. Stitt. Now, I'll bet deep down you knew I was going to ask you this question and, and a lot of people listening will be pleased I have. To everyone in the racing industry, you've always been Ross. What does the M stand for? Well, I get mail as the rest of Milton Ross. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is, John. Milton Ross Stitt. Now, you must yeah. have made a few changes to that early in your life, did you? Yeah, very early it was. Very early, <laughs> apparently. Why? Oh, I don't know, John. I don't know the reason. I really don't. But no, it was from a very early age, apparently. Mm. So if somebody walked past you at Taree Races this week and yelled out, hey, Milton, chances are you wouldn't even answer. Oh, this is a couple, especially one fellow from Coffs Arbor. He gives me hell. He, he still calls me Mill. <laughs> <laughs> does he? Yes, he does. Uh, now, Ross, yeah. you're based in Bushland Drive there, right next to the Taree Racecourse, and it seems that they wouldn't get you out of there with a cannon. No, John, I'm, I'm adjacent to the 600 metre, and you couldn't believe the amount of inquiries we'll get if we want to sell. Are you interested in selling? But no. no I've been here since 77, John, and I don't think, uh, no, it'd be, it'd be carrying me out, I think, when it happens. 
<laughs> well, Milton Rostit, you've been an absolute ornament to the racing industry for your entire career. Congratulations on a truly magnificent career and all you've achieved. And it's been an, an honour for me to have you on the podcast. Thanks for your time, Ross. Been an absolute pleasure, John. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The sale that has produced the likes of the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Esther Jarb, Russian Revolution, Moss Fun, Pino, and Flying Artie in recent years has again attracted a stunning catalogue for 2019. The Australian Easter Yearling Sale catalogue is now available online and its depth and quality is again without peer in the Southern Hemisphere's Yearling Sale season. Among this year's spectacular Easter catalogue of 450 yearlings are 39 siblings to Group 1 winners like the Autumn Sun, Merchant Navy, Sunlight, Lankan Rupee, Brazen Bow, Shulls, Faulkner, Star Spangled Banner, Catchy, Dundeal, I Victory, Lucky Bubbles, Shooting to Win, She Will Reign, Seamus Award and Pino. There is also the progeny of 34 Group 1 winning mares such as Hasna, River Dove, Pear Tart, Our Egyptian Rain, Rostova, Steps in Time, Brazilian Pulse, Provocative, Headway and Dizel. Super Stallion Schnitzel is the leading sire with 37 entries while the ill-fated Sebring has 33. Fastnet Rock 31, I Am Invincible 31, there are 25 Vancouver's, 22 by Reduce Choice, 21 by Zoo Star, 19 by Medagliadoro, 19 by Pride of Dubai, So You Think has 18 in the catalogue and they round out the top 10. There is, as always, a strong international flavour with yearlings by the likes of Deep Impact, Frankel, Lord Canaloa, Tappet and Harbinger also catalogued. The 2019 English Easter Yearling Sale is just bursting with quality. Look for the catalogue online. <laughs>